Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. The title of the message is Thanksgiving in Every Circumstance. Thanksgiving in Every Circumstance. As you turn there, I read, uh, and there's also an insert in your bulletin to follow along. But I was reading this last week about these two men, and uh, they were walking through a field, and it was out, out in the country, and, and they spotted a bull, and it was enraged, and it was ready to charge them, and it started charging them, and immediately they took off toward the nearest fence there in the pasture. And that storming bull followed them in hot pursuit. And it was soon apparent that they were not going to make it to the fence before the bull made it to them. So terrified, one of them said to the other, John, John, put up a prayer. We're in for it. John answered, I can't. I've never made a public prayer in my entire life. His companion said, but you must. This bull is catching up to us. John was panting. He said, all right, I'll say the only prayer that I know, the one my father used to repeat at the dinner table, oh Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful. Alright, several of the scriptures this morning, there's, there's passages that I've given you for you to study on your own this week. I'm not going to read every single passage, every single verse, but you come to the end of the first Thessalonians and there's final instructions and, and just these really short verses that give real specific things, so good for us to hear. I want to emphasize verse 18, but I want to start actually with verse 16. I mean, verse 16 is, is the verse is rejoice always. That's how short it is. Rejoice always. Verse 17, very common verse. Pray without ceasing. Verse 18 is our theme, our theme verse. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So the big principle this morning, the main truth this morning, the take home with, your, with, with us as we leave here is that God's will for us is that we give thanks in all circumstances. We often ask the question, what is God's will for my life? I just want to know God's will. Well, God's will is very clear that we give thanks to God in every circumstance. I want to think for a moment about the person who wrote these words man's name Apostle Paul and he began as Saul and he was called out of being a persecutor of the church we read in the book of Acts chapter 9 when he was called by the Lord God used a prophet named Ananias and Ananias had these words to say the Lord said to Ananias verse 15 but the Lord said to him go for he he being Saul is a chosen chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And if he would have stopped there, things would have been a little bit easier for Paul, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 16 says, for I will show him how much he must suffer 
for the sake of my name. There's two passages I want us to read, and the first is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. They're both summary passages of Paul's ministry to the Corinthians. And not just to the Corinthians, but he's summarizing all he's been through. Verse, chapter 11 are some famous verses where Paul really kind of catalogs all the things that he's done and all that he's experienced. And truly, this, this prophetic word from Ananias to Saul came true. We'll start in verse 24 of 2 Corinthians 11. Paul's recounting his suffering ministry. He said, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. And we'll look at one of those instances later in, in the sermon. <laughs> Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And he goes on to say how he had the anxiety of the daily pressures of the churches that he felt responsible for. Now flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 3, Paul gives kind of another summary of, of all that he'd been through in his ministry. He says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. That's verse 3, verse 4. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Thing. And I like that second passage because it's not just all the things that Paul had experienced in his ministry that were tough, but he contrasts those final verses, this but this, this but this, and the last half of all those verses is positive, in poverty but, but rich. You see, Paul had that, that sense in which he, he understood the power of gratitude, the power of giving thanks in any and every circumstance that he was faced with. He could find a way to give God thanks. He could write those words in Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The great men and women of God have found a way in their heart, in their mind, to give thanks to God like this. Many of you have been blessed through the ministry of Matthew Henry. His commentary is public domain. You can go online and read his commentary on the Bible. But Matthew Henry was once attacked by thieves 
and they stole his money purse. I guess back in the day, men wore purses and kept their money in purses, right? So he had a money purse, and he wrote these words in his diary after he had been attacked and robbed by thieves. This is what he wrote. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So why are we to do this? Why are we to give thanks in every circumstance? Well, turn down to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I wanted to really focus on what Paul had to say to us this morning. All throughout his, his letters, especially in Corinthians, if he's the one who tells us give thanks in all circumstances, I believe we can learn from him why we should give thanks. So almost every scripture this morning is from Paul's pen. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7, Paul talks about suffering that he had that would not go away. He said, so to keep me, in verse 7, from becoming conceited. Now, to kind of set that up, at the beginning of the chapter, he talks about having this incredible vision of God, this experience with God being kind of caught up into this second heaven. He, he said, I have plenty to rejoice about and boast about, but to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content." with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now these verses should really encourage us. They should comfort us. First of all, it should tell us that Paul is a lot like us and that we're a lot like Paul in that Paul had suffering in his life and what did he do? He asked God to take it away. There's nothing wrong with that. The Lord Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from evil. God, there's something happening in my life. Please spare me this pain. Help me, God. Deliver me, God. And that's what Paul prayed three times specifically. God, take this thorn away. And commentators and scholars for centuries have debated just what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. I'm not going to go into that. It doesn't matter. What matters is that Paul said, it was not taken away from me, and it was given to me so that I would not become conceited. You see, the worst thing that could ever happen in our lives is that we might become conceited. 
And it's not that we might become conceited. All of us are conceited. All of us have sinned. All of us are prideful. All of us are self-seeking. I was praying with a brother yesterday, and we were talking about self-love. And he said, Kay, pray for me that I'll get over this self-love that I have, wanting to do things for myself. I want to have a love for Jesus and for others. So whatever it is that we're suffering with, if it causes us to give glory to Jesus and not put faith or pride in ourselves, then it is worth it and we should be thankful. Yes, even for those thorns in our flesh. Many times those thorns in our flesh are people that dig into our flesh and we should be thankful for all things. Because what happens you get pressed down, you get weak, and, and then Jesus makes you strong, and you persevere through his power, and God gets the glory. So, so the first reason why we should give thanks in every circumstance is that we're to be thankful for sufferings that won't go away because they keep us from being conceited. Now, turn back to chapter 4. I'm not going to read all of this passage that's listed in your insert. But in chapter 4, in so many ways, 2 Corinthians, Paul is trying to defend his ministry. There are people in Corinth that were questioning his credentials as an apostle. They, they were against him. And Paul had made several visits to Corinth. And Paul is defending his ministry a lot in, chapter, in the second book of Corinthians. But in verse 7, he talks about the treasure in jars of clay, how that God puts all these blessings and goodness in us, his grace, that he might show God's glory because we're just clay. and We've got treasure inside of us. He goes in, into talking about the ways he's been crushed and perplexed. You've come all the way down to verses 15 through 18. So he's talked a lot in this chapter about all that he's been through and the hardship. He says, for it is all for your sake, Corinthians. It's all for you, he says. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul says it's not about all that I've been through. If what I've been through accomplishes that the grace of God is extended to more and more people, then that's going to produce more thanksgiving, and more thanksgiving to God means more glory to God. Paul is the apostle of the glory of God. It is Paul who would say, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do everything to the glory of God. And how can we be that that? Focused. Well, you keep reading in that wonderful chapter, verse 16, no matter what you're going through, he says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. And oh, it's so hard as a pastor to watch people's physical bodies and minds waste away with disease. It's terrible. 
But we do not lose heart. Why? Because our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. If people are giving thanks to God, if the grace of God is spreading because of our own suffering or because of whatever hardships or good things that are happening in our lives, if it's causing more and more people to give God thanks and give God praise, then whatever it is we're doing is worth it. And whatever it is that's happening to us is worth it. And you can only have that kind of mindset if you are eternally focused So the second reason why we should give thanks is that the extension of grace to more and more people produces thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now turn to the book of Acts. We're going to leave Paul's writings, but read Luke's writings about the Apostle Paul. Much of Acts is the story of Paul's journeys as a missionary. And we come to Acts chapter 16... In the beginning of the chapter, Timothy joins with Paul and Silas. Silas is his partner in ministry, a missionary friend, Silas. And they end up in prison in this chapter. Lydia, a very wealthy woman, is converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. You come to verse 16, and, and they're approached by this slave girl, and she keeps pestering Paul and Silas and Paul. Like, and again, we should be comforted by the Apostle Paul. We're a lot like him. He's a lot like us. Paul gets frustrated with her. He finally commands that evil spirit inside of her, come out of her in Jesus' name, and the evil spirit comes out. But that now will now cost the owners of that girl a lot of money because she had an evil spirit that made a lot of money through divination for the owner. So you keep reading, and then Paul and Silas are now brought before an angry mob there in the city, and the leaders in the crowd is attacking them. Look at verse uh, 23. Well, verse 22 says, The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. All right, that's beating with rods number one, I guess, right? So three times he was beaten with rods. Here he is, he's getting beaten by a rod. Verse 23, And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their their feet in the stocks. Listen, he puts them in the prison to keep them safe from the angry crowd that had just beaten them almost to death. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there's a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. 
And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house, his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So why should we give thanks in every circumstance? Because number three, praise and thanksgiving in the midst of trials will both sustain us and speak a powerful witness to those around us. Paul is living out in Acts 16, what he will write to the Ephesians in chapter 5, 19 through 20. He writes in Ephesians 5, 19 through 20, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing with Silas, praying, praising, giving thanks to God. Why? Because it was sustaining them through intense spiritual physical suffering, rejection that they had experienced, they're being sustained by their thanksgiving, by their prayers, by their praise. Listen, if you're struggling, if you're struggling in any way, don't listen to the enemy and say, I, I just can't thank God, I can't praise God, I can't seek God. More than ever, you need to be praising God, thanking God, seeking God. Because it sustains us in our trials. But secondly, it, it speaks a powerful witness because here is this jailer and, and all those prisoners, it says, were listening to Paul and Silas. And this jailer comes in and he almost kills himself thinking that he'd lost all of his prisoners because of the earthquake. Yet the witness of Paul and Silas was so powerful through their praise, through their thanksgiving, that he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He'd heard enough from Paul and Silas in jail to know that these men had something that he needed. And it will bolster our witness if we can give thanks and praise to God through trials. I put the lyrics of an awesome old song by the Imperials, Praise the Lord, in your insert. Talks about how the, the shackles will fall behind us when we praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, not 3, there's a mistake in the insert. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Paul says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So here's Paul writing to Timothy, I'm bound, I'm in chains. But the word of God's not bound. Nothing can shackle God's word when we continue to praise him, declare his word, and seek him. So four little applications to end with, our response to God, to all that he's done for us. He is worthy that we give him thanks in every circumstance. So how might we respond? Philippians 2, 14, 15. Paul says, do all things, all things without grumbling, or disputing 
that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Oh, to shine like lights for Jesus, to let our light shine, this little light of mine. How do we do it? Not by complaining, not by grumbling, not by disputing. And everything, be thankful rather than being a complainer. Nobody likes a complainer. Don't be one. Be a thanksgiver. You give thanks to God for all that he's done. Philippians 4, 6. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So in everything, Pray with thanksgiving instead of being anxious. It is impossible. I read this this week. It's impossible to be anxious and thankful at the same time. Be thankful. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For all that we've, we've received from God, we should be thankful. We should be grateful for our unshakable kingdom and worship God. What we have is unshakable. What we have in God, it, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. What we have is unshakable. And that should give us an anchor, a sense in which we cannot be moved. We cannot be shaken because we have an unshakable God, an unshakable kingdom. What should be our response? Worship. In our worship times in Protestant Baptist churches, we almost always have the first half filled up with music, musical worship, and the last half with a sermon, maybe a song at the end. I don't know about you, but when, when I hear revelation from God's word, it makes me want to worship him more. I think sometimes we, 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 we might just start with a sermon, right? So at least we hear from God's word, and then we spend the rest of the time just praising God for all that he has done for us. He's worthy of our worship. Last scripture, Colossians 3, 15 to 17. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. There's unity right there, one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanksgiving in all three of those verses. We're to let Jesus reign within us, offering God grateful, heartfelt praise. We're to do everything in Jesus' name, giving thanks to God through him. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. And he's there, the border between Samaria and Galilee. Galilee's in the north, as well as Samaria is. And he was going into a village, the Bible says. There were ten men 
And they all had leprosy and they met Jesus. They stood at a distance because that's what they did. They were lepers. They were outcasts. And they called out to him in a loud voice because they were at a distance. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went to the priest, they were cleansed, healed of their leprosy. One of them, one, when he saw that he was cleansed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked Jesus. Now, he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not the ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God praise except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That story that actually happened sadly illustrates the truth. That the more blessings that we have, the tendency as human beings is not to be as thankful. Why is it that someone who is incredibly hungry, when they're given a morsel of food, they're so thankful for it? That those of us with so much to eat will often forget to even say thanks before we eat it. Why is it when someone who is so lonely to have someone visit them, whether it's in a nursing home or in a prison, when they have a visitor, they're so thankful. They just hold on to you and don't want you to go when those of us with plenty of friends aren't all that thankful for how popular we are. Why is it that those that have no access to the scriptures, that when they receive a copy of God's word, will treasure it? Yet those of us with multiple copies of the Bible myself included, don't treasure God's word quite as much as those who don't have it. It's the principle that Martin Luther wrote about, that the greater, the greater God's gifts and works, the less they are regarded. But when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, and there's going to be a reversal. And that's my prayer from this sermon, is that God will make us to be people who exhibit thankfulness in proper proportion to the gifts and blessings that we've received. Let us be a church of 100%, all 10 lepers who come back to Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for loving me. Let it not be that we're the church of 10%. Just a handful of us daily give God thanks for all he's done for us. Pray with me. Lord, you tell us clearly in your word that your will is that we are thankful in every circumstance. That this is your will for our lives. So if we're asking, God, show me what I'm supposed to do, my decisions to make, and what I, show me your will, God, and we're not being thankful, God, then we are in disobedience to your word. Help us to confess that sin, repent, and come to you and say, God, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for all my blessings. Help me count my many blessings. Because God, when we give you thanks, Lord, it takes the focus off ourselves and it keeps us from being conceited. God, when we give you thanks and we endure uh, through the sake of the gospel, then more and more people experience your grace and they give you thanks. It sustains us in trials and then thanksgiving is increased as people come to know Jesus. Lord, help us to rejoice in you, not to complain, but to respond with gratitude in our worship to the unshakable kingdom that you've given us. God, let us respond with prayer 
and thanksgiving, not anxiety and fear. God, by your spirit, help us to set Jesus Christ apart as Lord of our lives. Let him reign within us so from our hearts we give grateful praise to him every day of our lives. God, we're all guilty of being complainers. We're all guilty of not being as thankful as we should be. Lord, by your spirit now, would you birth in us a proportional thanksgiving to all the blessings that you've given us, Lord. Help us to make time for thanksgiving and thanksgiving's twin praise. And let us be people who constantly thank Jesus, give you glory, that the focus may come off ourselves and that we might put our focus on you and love you and serve you because God, as we live our lives for you, as we thank you, as we praise you, it will sustain us and it will give credibility to the witness of the gospel. Let us be a thankful people. More than ever before, no matter how dark this world gets, let us be a thankful church. Let us be unified in our thanksgiving. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a a great song that Anthony's been teaching us. Show us how to love. Show me how to love. Lord, show us today how to love you, how to thank you, how to love one another. It's just a prayer. Let's stand. Let's respond with grateful, reverent worship to a God who has given us an unshakable kingdom. If you have a decision to make, a need this morning, you want to join our church, become a Christian, get baptized, have a burden, the altar is open, I'm here to receive you. Let's sing, let's respond as God leads us.